All right, let's roll. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Saffle Podcast, coming to you live from Jack Dempsey's Bar, 36 West 33rd Street, around the corner from the Empire State Building. Joined today by my buddy Damien Eccles, Hello. former guest on the show, and international basketball star, best-selling author, Alex Awumni. What's how up, you, my man? How you guys doing? How you guys doing? Pleasure to be here. I kind of feel this is like online dating. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Listen, listen. We follow each other on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Now, I slid into your DMs. Yeah. <laughs> we talk on the phone. We texted. And now we meet at a bar in person. Exactly. This is a Tinder date. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> do my pictures live up to your expectations? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. All right. Before we talk about your books and your playing career. Yeah. We talked last night. Yeah, we did. We texted last night. How do you think the Cavs have one shot of pulling off this win in the NBA Finals? How do you figure them winning one game? I think it's um, the same thing happened last year, right? I don't want to, you know, go back to a year, uh, year ago and say, hey, the same thing happened last year. They got blown out the first two games. But I think a, I think Golden State was just getting away with a lot of things at home. Slow chippy shit, grabbing arms. Can I curse on you? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Slow grabbing arms, tripping, little stuff. But I think the same thing will happen in Cleveland. They'll get the home cooking also. They win one game in Cleveland? I think they win both. I think it's going to go back to Golden State time. I hope. This- I said the Cavs in six, but I think it's going to go seven games, man. The NBA needs it to go seven games because this to. playoffs has been absolutely horrible. It has to. Is that happening now? The playoffs are going on now? Yeah, yeah. This is the finals. <laughs> <laughs> this is the finals. I actually never try to Google like the people who come on my show, but I read some of you played against Kevin Durant, didn't you? Yeah, he was. The, I, I played against him his first ever collegiate game. It, wait, so he played for Texas? He played for Texas. And you were I, playing for? I was playing for Alcorn State, Mississippi. Steve McNair. Yeah, Steve, Steve and McNair. Steve Mack, God rest his soul. Um, yeah, and it, it was his first collegiate game, and I was actually guarding him. We went up. 15-4, because they had a whole bunch of freshmen. Like, they, they were kind of nervous. Mm-hmm. We could tell we had a whole bunch of juniors and seniors, upperclassmen. We were just hungry, and then he made one move on me and went, like, baseline and reverse dunked it. And by the time I looked up, we lost by 40. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> like, it, it was just that. Did quick. you know he was special back then? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was special. He was a little bit light. He was about 6'10". Because he was skinny when he first, like. Yeah, he like was about 6'10", about 195. Oh, but you can see the way he handled the ball. Um just the way he played defense, and he was smart, and he was very quiet too, very quiet. Like a quiet assassin. But good guy though. Now good we'll tell guy. Damien, we're talking about probably one of the top three players in the NBA he top played against, players, yeah. his first See, ever I game. Just, I just listened to everything you said, and it sounded like you were speaking like ancient Chinese. No. <laughs> yeah. You'll right. catch on. So you came on my show before, like we mentioned for the Tinder date. You wrote, this is actually one of my favorite books, I actually recommend it, Gaddafi's Point Guard. Appreciate it. We're going to get to that in a second, but yeah. now you're writing other books. Yeah, I'm writing other books. I mean, you know. A trilogy, right? Yeah, I'm writing a trilogy um, called The Fire Raven. Uh, it's about a female assassin who is uh, labeled the, probably the greatest killer in the world, but she has, um, you know, some personal issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to write like a cliche book. Oh, it's the woman killing everybody. and she's, Like the Hunger Games. Yeah, like, and, I don't um, want to do that. Was so it Divergent? Is, this yeah. is a novel? These this is a novel, yeah, That's yeah. pretty amazing. And um, I wanted to make her kind of flawed. And I thought I would get a lot of backlash from that, from, like, women. Okay. But, like, women between the ages of, like, 25 and, like, 45, 50, like, love this stuff. You look at your girlfriend. She's not 45. Like, she's, not 45. Don't look yeah, yeah. she's not the 45, <laughs> 50 demo. So like, it, you know, it's crazy. I thought I would get a lot of backlash. Uh, obviously, guys love it because it's a little raunchy, it's a little adult. Okay. But women love it also because it gives them, like, um, it gives them, like, an avenue to get away and escape, mm-hmm. you know. You know, the woman that was in a bad relationship, you know, the old... Like real life stuff. Yeah, like real life stuff. Or the woman that, uh, the girlfriend that wants to beat up a boyfriend every morning. (laughs) (laughs) Now you look to your girlfriend. (laughs) Things like that, you know what I mean? Was it fun writing the book? Yeah, it was fun. It was was a lot of fun because, you know, I've always, you know, I've always wanted to write fiction. 
since I was like a kid, like even before high school, okay. Like a lot of people don't know, growing up, like in Nigeria, I, I wasn't really allowed to play sports. I had like bad breathing problems, like sinus problems, and my parents were very overprotective of me playing. Okay. I had older brothers, you know, I'm one of seven. So it got to a point where my, my parents said, listen, you gotta let him live his life. And I was like seven, eight years old, sitting in a park bench, writing in a diary, watching my brothers play, uh, you know, tennis or soccer, and you know, and on gravel in Nigeria. Um, so it got to a point where I was like, you know, at some age, this is what I want to do. And I thought I was going to start to do this when I retired from basketball. Okay. But it was probably the dumbest, that was probably the dumbest idea ever. Yeah, why wait till tomorrow? Yeah, why wait till tomorrow? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and uh, Gaddafi's point guard, the opportunity to write Gaddafi's point guard came about. Um, the idea really came from my mother, to be honest with you. Um, I was kind of selfish about writing it because obviously it's personal and I went through a lot of things. Well, well the stuff you wrote about in the book was so intense. Like when I was walking up here with Damien, I'm like, hey, listen, he wrote this book. He's like, and the first thing is like, what do you do to eat and drink? I'm like, dude, you, you get, it's like heartbreaking reading it. And right. the way you describe the children who were basically put in a war when they don't want to be, yeah. it's, the book's really intense. And so how'd your mom help you want to do that? Oh, um, you know, it, you know, the opportunity came about actually when I went to LA with my best friend, uh, Ryan Gennady. Um, he said, I'm bringing to LA, we're gonna talk to all these production companies about your story. Because a lady named Dana O'Neill, who's like, um, she's an ESPN senior. I know Dana, you know Dana O'Neill. Yeah. ESPN senior writer now. Back in 2007, she came to Alcorn State and followed us around for a week. I had this article on like black college basketball budgets in Division One compared to Kentucky, mm -hmm. Ohio State, things like that. And um, my mother reached out to her on email, and she emailed me. <laughs> and it was on the front. It was on the front page of the ESPN.com thing, and you know, it just blew up. And then my best friend hit me up, who's in LA. He said, "Listen, all these production companies are gonna come running to you." Flew out to LA for two weeks. Um, I met with everybody from uh, Red Wagon, uh, Doug Wick, who did Gladiator, yeah. Overbrook, Will Smith. I mean, I was it was crazy. Disney. I was on lived on a Sony lot, and it was like out of nowhere. It you was out of nowhere. Playing basketball for Gaddafi, and then in Egypt to now yeah. traveling the country, meeting these Literally superstars. Literally three months later, when I was you know kind of still messed up in the head, just trying to, I was just trying to live a normal life again. Mm -hmm. And um, my mother was like, you know, why don't you just write a book about it? I was like, nah, you crazy. <laughs> like my first book is not gonna be about me, and I'm too like I'm too private. Mm -hmm. My family, I gotta protect them. And um, she said, you're not writing it for you. You're writing it for all the people that helped you mm. get out you know, through, throughout your journey. You know, these little kids that helped me, drivers that drove me from Libya to uh, the Egyptian border, things like that. Basketball coaches in Libya who fed me, who helped me when I was down. Um, and it kind of made sense. You know, I was being selfish about not writing it. So, you know, when I wrote the book, the, the first manuscript was like, it was like almost like 700 pages. I mean, I, I wrote it like four, four months. Because you writing about yourself is easy, starting from. And also, it's like therapy for you. That's what Damien always says. Yeah, it's therapeutic. Oh, it's very therapeutic. Yeah, yeah. Very emotional, very therapeutic. And um, I got a literary agent, this guy named Alice Glass, uh, wrote on, um, at uh, Trident Media. You know, they got like J.K. Rowling, they got these big names. Mm -hmm. So he called me on the phone. He said, listen, <laughs> he said, I'm going to get you a lot of money for this. And I was like, at the time, I was like, man, it's not really about the money. I had to talk to my family first, talk to my dad, my mom, because I have a lot of names and I got to protect my family. So I talked about it with my family. They're like, man, go ahead. Go ahead and do it, man. You know, it's not really about you. It's not really about us. It's about the message you're going to put into the world. And that's basically how it started. And it spread like wildfire, to be honest with you. And, and today, I'm here talking about it now. No, it, the, when you say it spread, it did, because I remember reading about it. If you say ESPN, I remember then Slam Magazine Ooh, had it. Man. 
And then literally every time you looked around, <laughs> your book was coming out. And listen, the title, Gaddafi's Point Guard, yeah. right away. And like, I remember when I first saw it come out, I was going to be like, eh, I thought it was just about playing for Gaddafi's team. Exactly. And I'm like, I really don't give a shit about Gaddafi's team. Then you open up the first, oh, okay, here we go. We're about to roll. Yeah. And when people read it, like I'm, when I was reading it personally, it's like you're in Gaddafi's basically penthouse. Mm-hmm. And what would you call your coach? I'm like, hey, no one picked me up yet. And yeah. Like, <laughs> I said, my driver didn't pick me up. But that's how spoiled I was, the driver, <laughs> to take me like a mile down the road. Like, it's crazy. I had this driver. His name was Aweda. He's a nice guy. And um, I was like, man, like, I'm cursing him out on the phone. I'm so spoiled. <laughs> cursing him out on the phone. Like, man, like, you know, where's he at? Like, I'm talking to my coach. He was like, yo, don't you see what's going on outside? So I go up to the top of the roof, and I'm like, what the, f-? I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, all these military guys outside, the protest is going crazy. Because there were pro- there were a little mini protests, like, mm-hmm. days leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe weeks leading up to it. But, you know, I looked at it as, as kind of like a joke. And then that day, it just, things just took a turn for the worse, you know. I went from me being this basketball player, making decent money, everybody knowing me in the city, to, like, listen, it don't matter if you make a million dollars or $10,000. He's like, your life is not worth nothing if you don't get out of here. And it just literally, like, that quick, it just turned. So and it, when was that? When this, that was, this was during the Aerosmith. So this was 2011. 2011. February. Do you feel like you've, like, completely let go of the trauma, or do you still wrestle with a lot of it? That, see, that my problem was, see, that's a problem a lot of people have when they go through traumatic things. They yeah, say, I think you, you and Damien have a similar. <laughs> like, you think, like, when you got, like, probably when you got out, you probably like, oh, okay, I could probably get rid of this. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. but it gets worse. Yes, it does. Like, when you try to just yes. go back into the real world and try yes. to do, like, regular things, going to the gym, yes. going to the bars, hanging out with your friends, and you're, like, you're, like, drinking excessively. And then you go to like in like into depression. Like some days, like I remember not like leaving the house for like two days, three days, it, like not it, brushing my teeth, beginning sh- to eat. It shattered me. Psycho- like I couldn't, I couldn't read. Like I would try to read a book and read the same page over, same and, page over, over and over and over again. Couldn't remember what I'd read. I couldn't yeah. follow TV shows or movies. Did you ever have anything exactly? Like yeah. yeah, like it was the same thing. I remember I woke up one day and I went to like Lowe's, and like just like I just need black curtains. <laughs> like literally, like in my bedroom, I like, but, like my girlfriend at the time. She's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "We just gotta put these black curtains." On. I didn't even like hook them up. I like taped them with duct tape. I still have that. I yeah. got the blackout <laughs> yeah. curtains. Yeah. Going that blackout like, all light. Oh, and all thank sound. you. I, yeah. I, like, I, like you know, I tell people the story that like, they can't relate. I'm so happy you're here because yes. like people are like what? <laughs> like, yep. like literally, like just duct tape, like to the window, like from corner to corner. <laughs> thank you. Like from corner to corner, and I was like, "Listen, man, I'm just this is it. I'm just gonna ride this out, and hopefully, I'll get better." And I got worse. I, I was getting worse. Like, obviously, my girlfriend at the time, we were, like, having arguments. Like, like she was, like, picking little argument, arguments with me at the time. And really, like, people don't really understand what you're going through Mm-mm. until they've been through something as bad. Mm-hmm. And it's like you kind of don't give them the benefit, benefit of the doubt. And at the time, I'm like, yo, listen, if, if anybody doesn't know what I'm going through, fuck them. That's mm-hmm. basically my, yeah. And um, it got to a point where, like, I was scared to go into into ter- uh, therapy. I don't know if you went to therapy. Like I just started. Oh man, just like a few that, months you know, ago. It, it's yep. crucial because I kind of refused it. I was like, I me too. Mean, yeah, I didn't want anything Yo, to do with it. Yep. You say, yeah, man, listen, I, I could get, I could get better on my own. Like I'll get better in time. That's and what then, I said. Like you, I, I told both of you, your pride took over. Like no, oh, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a man. Oh, I can do time. this. Yeah. Big time. And then I went from, like I wasn't even a big drinker. I was telling people, I, like I was telling my girlfriend, like, I, I didn't start drinking until like my rookie year, professionally, like 24 years old, 23, 24 years old. Like I was like, I wasn't like a high school drinker, but when, after that, I was drinking like excessively. And it got to a point where my brother called me one day. He came to my eyes, I like, listen, man, 
<laughs> like, he's like, you want to throw your life away? I was like, listen, you don't understand what I'm going through. He's like, well, get some fucking therapy. Mm-hmm. So I end up, I end up, I end up getting therapy. I start with spiritual therapy first, like going to church, talking to a reverend, and a reverend, and that helped. I ain't gonna lie, that helped. Then I actually had to go to real therapy, like they had to pay mm-hmm. somebody. Uh, I was prescribed, you know, these antidepressants, you know, Zoloft and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, and I started taking that stuff like crazy. Mm-hmm. So Did was, it help? It helped a little bit, but I think I was popping too much. Like, I was a little bit, like, it really affected my sleep and the way I thought. Yeah. Like, I couldn't really operate a car, like, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. Um, then I went to marijuana. Like, I don't really mm-hmm. tell the story. Like, you Nothing. know, I was prescribed, prescribed some marijuana. Um, Did that help? That helped a lot. More than the prescription? Yeah, it helped more than the prescription. And I never smoked. That was, like, my first time ever smoking. I think I was, like, 27 years old. <laughs> And I actually told my mother, I was like, um, like, mom, like, you know, I think this is the best thing for me. And my mom was crying. She's like, oh, oh my, because you know, you, I, like, my, you're a drug addict now. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're yeah. Like, you know, really. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. And then it got to a point where she's like, listen, like, just you know, just you know, just don't, you know, abuse it. Just don't abuse it. So I started smoking, and I remember just being in the house smoking. I got better that way, to be honest with you. Like I was just smoking my older brother, um, you know, however I could just you know make the pain go away, but it never goes away. So that's the that's the that's the real mm-hmm. moral of the story. Never goes away. When you have to figure out that you have to deal with it for the rest of your life, that's when you get better. Because you're like, you just can't erase anything. It's like, like the acceptance thing. I'm, I'm like, accepting it. Hey, this is part of me now. It, it really is. You have to accept, like, yo, this is part of my life. Something you're gonna work on yeah. until the day you die. Until the day you die. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like one day I might be at a bar. Somebody, you know, I might get into an incident and I might snap or I might not. You just gotta accept that. Like, you understand what I'm Are saying? Are you setting this up now for a, um, an alibi later on? Like, listen, go look at my Savage podcast. I said like, yeah. in 2017, and when I hit the guy with a chair and run him over, it's because of you know, I was bad. I was bad. And, I, you know, when I came back, I actually took a year off playing. It was like, I was like. I was actually going to ask you that because right before, as I'm walking up here, I went to Wikipedia real quick. Yeah. Because I try not to, like, do, like, a million of the highs. So what? But it said that after Egypt, you won the championship. Yeah. So, Damien, listen to this. He leaves. If I'm wrong, jump in. I'm telling your story. Go ahead, go ahead. He leaves Libya. Like you snuck out. Like they, oh yeah, they snuck you out illegally, of the country. Yeah, illegally. And now yeah. he's in Egypt. Instead of going home, he fucking plays in Egypt. Yeah. And you were like, really? yes, you lost like mad weight. Like you were like Ooh. drawn. Like you looked kind of like a, yeah. like a crackhead. Like you really. It was you bad. Were... It was bad. My eyes. I, I remember this. Uh, this. My eyes started to get black, and I still have a little bit of black right here, but it came like drooped down. Yeah. Like just from like malnourishment, like yeah. not eating. Yeah. And I was like I, looking at myself. I was like, what I the, the yeah, same. exactly. Like right now I weigh about 175. At one point I got down to 116. Yeah. 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 I was down to like 178. And my playing weight was like 210. Like that's how bad it was. Mm. So after you win the championship, you took how long off? I took a year. I was done. Yeah. Like I told myself I'm done. I, you know, I was doing therapy. Yeah. I was like, you know, let me just try to focus on um, just being a normal person. Like, you know, trying to get a job. Like I had money. So everybody's like, you just want to work a regular job? I was like, yeah, I need to like try to get back into society. Like, you know what I mean? Because I always tell people, I wouldn't wish what I went through on anybody, on my worst enemy. Like, I don't know how the next guy would have, what he would have did mm-hmm. in that situation, probably killed himself or went through with mm-hmm. it, you know? Um, so I actually took it off. I was volunteering. I got a job. I was just having a regular job. Oh, you had a re- so you stopped playing basketball? Oh, yeah, I was a regular job. I wasn't even, I hadn't like worked out, touched the basketball for like three or four months. I was like, you know, I was done. I was, you know, obviously I was still trying to stay in shape. I was rebuilding my body. Mm -hmm. And um, one day I remember just coming back from the job I had. I came home, turned on the TV, and my idol was on the TV, Earl Monroe. 
Okay. Like just like on an old ESPN classic show. Earl the Pearl. My 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 favorite basketball player of all time. And no, that was I have to interrupt you. Wanna <laughs> why? I'll tell you why. Butch Beard came on here last week. Butch Beard lives around the corner from Earl Monroe. Yeah. And I texted Butch, my dude, is there any chance you and Earl can come on? Earl he's will like come on. he's like, Yeah, let me text him. So dude, if he could, have you ever met him? Yeah, I met Earl. Oh, I was gonna say we can do a little uh, yeah, I met Earl. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay. So, I came my sister used to work for the Knicks. Uh, this is two thousand I came two thousand thirteen, <laughs> met Earl and his wife. Oh, that's awesome. I went to this um, Jason, Justin Tuck's charity um pool event. Like you can it's like it's like A listers. Like Miss Universe was there, O. C. Yumiura was there, Darren Williams was the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets. It was like open bar everything. I met like Earl was six, so I was his wife's date at the pool tour. <laughs> Like, it was crazy, and I played against um, Anthony Anderson. He kicked my ass. <laughs> this is like as soon as he got skinny. It's like skinny Anthony Anderson. Like he whooped my ass, but I was just there. This is like all. Vivica Fox was there. It was crazy. It was all A-listers. And I was like, I can't believe I'm in here. Like, it was crazy. I was like, I made it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, yeah, I met I met Earl, and uh, Earl did a couple. I did. Um, I had like this um, Tina Savasio. You know Tina? Yeah. Tina Savasio. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, you know Tina. Yeah. She came up when the next came over to London. She did like this big piece on me where I'm at now. And Earl was part of the piece, so, so we've been talking. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and Earl's like, um, he has an EP, executive producer project. If we do the film, so I gave Earl a lot. It's a lot of sticks. So Earl, me and Earl are cool. Okay, good. So you're gonna get Earl on my show then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so now I'm sorry. I have to interrupt you always. So yeah. you see Earl on TV. Oh man. And what happens then? I see Earl on TV. Excuse me. I take a sip of this blue moon. <laughs> <laughs> From the great Jack Dempsey's yeah, bar and grill. I took, I took, I took, I saw, I came home and I saw Earl on TV and I was just sat there and I was like, wow, like, I kind of think like this is a sign. Like, you understand what I'm saying? And my mother always encouraged me. Listen, like, if you know, if you, if you want to get better, you go back and play. So I'm like, you know, I, I kind of, I'm kind of focused on my life now. And, you know, my mom is like the type of woman that say, listen, you went from making a decent amount of money to you making, I was making like $12 an hour. Really? But I was happy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was happy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I, you know, I always budget my money right. Like, I wasn't, you know, I don't respond to overspend. I'm, you know, I don't underspend. <laughs> you know you, I mean? you just hang out Vivian Fox, yeah, but yeah. it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was like, you know, kind of maybe this was a sign. I sat there for like two hours and watched this special. And literally a week later, I was like, let me get back in the gym. Try to play ball. It's like an LA Fitness, All right. and I was pretty bad. I ain't gonna lie. I had like the locals. <laughs> it was. It, I was getting cooked. <laughs> Defense was terrible, and I was like, I was like not in basketball shape. Like just like my body was good, but I was like huffing and puffing. So I kind of like took a person. I was like, hold on, man. Like, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Let me just try to actually kind of work out. So I, you know, I was working from 3 p.m. to 12. I worked at the Jewish Community Center of Atlanta. <laughs> Like, That's you know how random is that? Crazy, like Jewish, Jewish community set of Atlanta. How did was, you get hooked up with that? Was it um, just It was random? like I was volunteering. So I like this guy in Atlanta. He was like, yo, you want to just come volunteer and work with these kids for uh, autistic kids, teach them how to play basketball. So I was there one day, and I didn't even tell anybody I was a basketball player. So, that, you know, you had to be vetted to work with these, like, these autistic kids. Okay. And one day the guy was like, I said, man, listen, man, I know who you are. I said, like, what you mean? He's like, <laughs> he's like, I saw your story. So he went to ESPN. He started telling everybody. I was like, yo, listen, this is not what I wanted to come here to do. I just came here to volunteer. He said, man, he's like, man, listen, what you doing now? I was like, yeah, to be honest with you, I'm just home volunteering. He's like, I'm not really working. He's like, well, we're just going to put you on 12-hour. Like, he's like, literally, just come here. He's like, you'll be lead, setup guy. <laughs> he's like, and they had like three full-court basketball courts. He's like, listen, man, you come here in the morning, you want to work out. So I would go there in the morning and work out from like 10 to 12 shower, go home, come back and work 3 to 12. And I had the key to actually lock this facility up. It was like a $20 million facility. Like, it was crazy. All these, you know, all these rich Jewish people yeah. dropping their kids off. 
So I did that for like a whole summer. And then one of my best friends who played in England, he just was like, yeah, I'm just calling you just to check up on you. I was like, yeah, I just came from the gym. I was hooping. I was like, yeah, I'm finally getting a rhythm. He's like, yo, you want to play somewhere? I was like, I was like, you know, kind of joking him. I was like, yo, listen, if you give me a contract to play in, in England, <laughs> I'll play. Literally the next day, this coach <laughs> hits me up. He's like, hey, man. <laughs> he's like, hey, I'm uh, Sherrod's coach, blah, 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 Paul James. And um, he's like, listen, we can't pay you what you used to making. He's like, but we could pay you something. He's like, we'll feed you, put you on a decent salary. And I'm like, damn. Like, I told my mother, I was like, yeah, I got a contract. She was like, she was like, where? I was like. Are they scouts at the JCC? Yeah. <laughs> she was like, where? That's a hotbed of a recruiting. <laughs> yeah. John Calipari's going to be there recruiting yeah, exactly. in a minute. She was, like, um, she was like, where? I was like, I was like, like an hour outside of London. So you better take that. So I called him back. I was like, listen, if you could pay me this, then I'll play. He's like, oh. So he met me halfway. Literally sent the contract, signed. I went to FedEx. Uh, you ran the FedEx. Yeah, I scanned, I scanned, copied it, and that was it. And a month later, I had to, like, get in shape and leave. And that's just how it happened. And I've been there. This would be my sixth season coming up. In that's London. In, in England. In England. That's crazy. Do you consider yourself the fucking black cloud? Because now the terrorism <laughs> now in England, wherever you go, bitch, shit's going on. Yo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Get the hell out of this bar. <laughs> Yo, it's crazy because, like, you know. I and was, this on a serious note, because I am curious. No, this is serious. Like, this is serious because they had something in Westminster, like, during this year. And, you know, like. Manchester did, and then the other day. Yeah, Westminster London. and then went to Manchester. Well, when it happened in Westminster, um, you know, people marked themselves safe in London. Mm-hmm. So I said, like, let me mark myself safe because people kept asking me. Of course. So I marked myself safe. Everybody's like, man, it's like, everywhere you go. <laughs> it's like, it's just like, it just keeps following you. And I'm like, damn. Maybe it is. And then this thing just happened mm-hmm. in London. Everybody keeps asking me, did you mark yourself safe? So I went and put up some on Facebook, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm home now. But I pray for everybody in London. And everybody just keeps hitting me up like, man, listen, like, it's like you need to just stay put. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, stop moving around. Like, this is crazy. So it's like everything... I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> now, real, real question about it, because I actually want to have more fun. I don't want to get too much into the yeah, yeah. book either. I don't want to just bring you here to bring up old shit. But now with the terrorism, you think it's going to be um, some place? Because now Coach Calipari is coaching the young kids. They're supposed to go to Egypt in July. Yeah, that's going to um, be a good time. Yeah, and, but he said a few of the kids now are iffy now because of terrorism. Do you think it's going to be a big issue now in Is England? he taking his college team over there? He's taking uh, the high school recruits and the freshman <laughs> players. <laughs> it may be a recruiting trip. Um, but, uh, they're gonna, obviously, they're going to Cairo. Yes. I mean, he, I, I think with this – with the security, you know, something happened in Egypt two weeks ago with the mm-hmm. bomb, the Christians. I don't know. Yeah, they shot up a bus. Shot up a bus. 20 man. something. Yeah, I know. It's. I will say this. Yeah. Egypt is a beautiful country. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And the people are lovely. Oh, no. I, you know, I actually thought I'll, be, I'll play in Egypt for the rest of my life. Those people were so. That's how much you loved it? I loved it. I, you know, it's Americanized. You know, obviously the tourism and uh, the pyramids mm-hmm. in Giza, but it's like a lot of Americans over there. Um, a lot of foreigners over there. It's just a great country. And, you know, I just think this, his security got to be on par, which it will. Of course, it's Calipari. Yeah, what's Calipari? Um, but I think it'd be okay. I think it'd be okay. Now back to because I want to go back to the books you're writing. When you were off playing in the JCC doing that stuff, were you writing or you were just focusing on yourself? Were you always writing a little bit here and there? Yeah, I had you know I was writing Gaddafi's point guard also. So it was like this is at the JCC. This is at the JCC. Okay, and you know they had the, the they actually have the biggest book festival in the southeast in Atlanta. In, Atl- in like this southeastern uh, okay. region, and they didn't even know I was writing a book. Like they didn't find it out till my book came out. Like the lady that has it, she's like, "Oh my god!" She's like, "I was walking past you every day. I was literally like taking this lady's trash out." <laughs> like, "Hey, how you doing, Pam?" Like, you know what I mean? She was like the one writing the budgets. I remember the guy from um, what's his name? Ah, oh, I forget the actor's name. Um, I don't, I don't know if it was a uh, police academy. 
He's the main actor in Police Academy. He had a book, and they brought him there, and I actually bought his book, and I went to sign. I said, I'm okay. a big fan of yours. And uh, he was a headliner, and like they, I actually headlined theirs. Like it was like a year later, like so, like it was like a year before. I was like emptying their trash, just like sweeping up, vacuuming, uh, cleaning their carpet while they were at work to like headlining that a year later. Now, are you a big reader to begin with or no? I was a big reader. Um, <clears throat> Who do you read? Because I'm, I'm an obsessive reader. I don't Damien's read. Yeah. a big reader. Who do you read? I'm a James Patterson guy. Okay. Uh, Grisham. I didn't really start getting into self-help books until I, I met my, my girlfriend because she loves self, self-help self books. And I was just like, man, I was like, I don't really like that. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But now I'm into a Gary Vee, Gary Vaynerchuk, things like that. Um, yeah, but I was a big reader. Um, I do more writing, though, than I do reading, to be honest with you. What's your uh, writing schedule like? Like, do you just go in and write for hours at a time? Or I, a little yeah, bit I of usually, I, I really don't like going for more than two hours, to be honest with you. Because I think, you know, I... Do you got, do it at the same time every day, like like a schedule? No. If I'm home, like if I'm like somewhere for like three months, I may have home. Like if I'm, when I'm in London, I get up in the morning and I probably do two or three hours. And that's just my schedule, four or five days a week, and I'm good. Your fictional trilogy, do you have all three of them finished yet? Or just um, the first one? The third one, I probably, probably got five or six more chapters left. I'm trying to put that out September, October. How long did it take you to do all three of them? I, start, I actually started... As soon as Gaddafi was done, I started the first edition of Fire Raven. So that was like 2012. And, and, I did, and you, I can you tell a big difference in writing fiction like that versus? Oh yeah, it's, it's huge. It's it's a big difference. And it's all it's it, to be honest with you, go from not, to being a, I don't want to toot my horn, being a bestseller in nonfiction. No, you should you should you're, you're a bestseller too. Seriously, I was right. on the New York Times. Oh, oh yeah, two bestsellers in May. Thanks. <laughs> all right, all right, my man. All right, my man. It's just cheering. Yeah. <laughs> but um. It's like a risk when you go from nonfiction to fiction. I can't hey. write fiction. I cannot do it. That's why I was asking. I Yo, can't do it. I've I'm tried. surprised you don't, do especially, you know what I mean? Like, I read a lot of Grisham books, and it's like, if you like, you know what I mean? Your story is crazy. If you could just write some fiction around that, what you've seen in that 18 years and that, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, just, yeah, I know you got some <laughs> stories, man. <laughs> like, I know you got some crazy stories. But uh, it's like, you know, everybody was like, oh, you write a fiction? Like, why don't you just keep writing well, Gaddafi's point got the second <laughs> one. <laughs> that was me. When you, I think you tweeted like you're writing a book or something. I'm like, all right, it's going to be yeah. his next journey of like, hey, this is what happened to me. Yeah. And that's like the fire raven. Well, what team is he playing for? Did he <laughs> sign with the Baltimore Ravens? <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. a chick now? What the yeah. fuck just happened? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm going to do a second part. But, you know, I just think I needed to, um, I just needed more experience in life. Like, you know, I lived in London. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I seen a lot of things. Uh, I met my beautiful girlfriend who inspires me also. So it's like I have a lot to talk about, and I just wanted to take some time to like go back to nonfiction. But I'm, you know, you know when I when I'm done playing, I'm gonna do a lot of nonfiction, and I want to do some self uh, some self help stuff too, as far as like me transitioning from nonfiction to fiction to help a lot of because a lot my Facebook inbox, I mean the amount of people that just want to be writers and want to be authors, mm-hmm. like it's so crazy. Like, oh, you inspire me to write. These are just like athletes, like regular people, stay-at-home moms, women that are like 60, 70 years well, old. Well, they see right, like regular people yeah. who are writing these books and just pouring their life out. Like you yeah. guys literally poured your life out yeah, to these you books. Li- yeah, you literally have to su- submit to the pen. Like, did you do an audio book? Uh, yeah, it's an audio book I did, but I didn't do it personally. Okay. There's a guy that they hired to do it, and when he did it, when he was done with it, he like, hit me up on Twitter. He's like, man. <laughs> He's like, I was just worn out by just doing it. <laughs> like, you got a good voice. You could have did it. Yeah, I, mean, I could have yeah, I I did it. They, to they, no, they like asked a, me to do it. They asked I expected me to do it. like a thick accent or something. No. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, they, like, no, they asked me to do it, and I was just like, you know what? I just think I just don't want to relive that right now. It's funny you said that. I just had Rob O'Neill on, the guy who killed Bin Laden, and uh, he did his audio book. 
And he said halfway through it, he was like, "Hey, I'm I'm done. I don't yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell the Bin Laden story. I don't want to tell the Navy Steel training." Story. And he had to read. He's like, I'll, "He loved it." Yeah. He's like, "I can. You literally. You relive it more." Because you just Damien just went to Colorado. I've done three so far. This is my third one. Uh, talk, you know, talking about the self help books. I actually, just did a book on like meditation, energy work. Oh yeah, I'm it won't that. be out till next year, but that's, that's actually that. what I was working on. Yeah. So that was my third audio book. That's great. And now, movie-wise, anything about Gaddafi's point guard for Gaddafi's movie? Gaddafi's point guard, movie-wise. Um, Do they want me to play you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's so crazy? When I was, obviously, when I was, um, when I, before the book, when I went out to Hollywood and everything, and that's a great experience, but you got to be on your toes. Because these people, like, you'll sit, like, I sat with Mike DeLuca. You know, he did Moneyball, things like that. And I really sat, I sat with him, and uh, his, um, his, um, uh, I don't know if you call like his VP, this guy named Brian Haas. And they were like, you know, selling me on the whole money ball things. Like, we just had Brad Pitt. And you like, look at, you're like, you thinking like, oh, Brad Pitt, you know, he could be an executive producer. <laughs> and they sell you on all these things. And if you're not on your toes, you could be signing away your life. Yes, you can. Like, <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> he did, like, yeah. he knows what I'm talking yeah. about. It's just, uh, you know, I had to deal with crap like that constantly. Like, they, they sell you all these ideas. You Ooh. sign the contract. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, you've signed the contract. Ooh. So now that we're just going to sit here and relax. Yeah. We don't have to do anything else. We've got you. Yeah. I'm going to tell you Because he, he, Damien, did a movie, too. So I, you, you did a deal. Uh, I've, well, I sold the rights to my first book that they were going to make a movie out of. That's good. And they sat and held it until they, they the rights they, ran they out. They shelved you. Yes. So now I finally got the rights back to it. So but I'm they paid you for holding the rights, didn't they? They did. They yeah. Did. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's when you get them. Okay. Yeah. So you're smart. Whoever, whoever was helping you deal with it, you're smart. My my um, my best friend, and my, this is my pro- first time my girlfriend ever had this about, I like, really like to talk money in front of her. Okay. Yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> but, um, She's about to start smiling in a second. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got to credit my uh, best friend, Ryan. And then we had this uh, management company called Caliber Media. Um, they did a couple movies also. Um, but when I got there, I met it with a lot of people. I met uh, Miles Teller. He did um, what's the piano movie? Um, the penis. Whiplash. Okay. Piano movie. He did Whiplash. Oh, you know that Miles. was a good movie. Yeah, Miles. Yeah. 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 He, did, he like you know these like I had a good group of Boston guys. Kenny Warmold, who was in Footloose, had the remake. You know the mm-hmm. dancing guy. So I like I grew up with all these guys. So they were all living in L.A. So they already knew what it was. He's like, listen. Paramount's going to bring you in. They're going to tell you this, that, and this. NBC's going to try to... You get the white eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a lady at NBC. Her dad, I think he was like the CEO or something like that. She messaged, messaged my basketball agent. And my agent was like, my agent's from Macedonia. He was like, listen, this, this lady's looking for you. So I emailed her. She's like, hey. She's like, listen, I just read your story at ESPN. She's like, well, we're going to give you $2 million. It's like my dad is an exec at NBC. It's like, this is the story we want to make. So I hit my boy Bob. I said, yo, $2 million. He was like, we're not taking that. In my, in my mind, I'm like, don't, like, don't fuck me. Yeah. Don't fuck me right now. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, bro, he's like, they're going to give you this money. He's like, and they're just going to butcher up your story. He's like, just come to L.A. So I went to L.A., sit with all these guys, Hollywood, bright, big bright lights. And there's people like, listen, we're going to pay you this money. They're telling me who produced this. They said, we produced this movie. You're going to make yours like this. We're going to have this person, this person attached to it. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I actually have like a family to answer to. Mm-hmm. And a church. Like you said, I got to make sure you're not about to take my story. Had me doing some crazy stuff, sleeping with some, yeah, yeah. some Middle mm-hmm. East women. Or, you know, and that's some, why they're attacking yeah, you. Yeah, you started yeah. the you war. Yeah. yeah, some crazy <laughs> stuff. Like, I was I'm like, not write that book. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was like, I got to make sure. My mind's like, I got to make sure. Like, I'm kind of taken care of. Because at the, at the, I'm not like, I'm not really hurting for money right now. So it's like, I'm not about to jump at the first opportunity I have. So I did what you did. 
sign the right to it. And they give you like a sum. Mm -hmm. And it's like 13 months they get to hold your story yeah. for. I didn't give up the rights to the book. I just gave up my life rights for okay. 13 months. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. If I do three, you know, they're probably going to shelf it. So 13 months it ran out. I'm not going to say the production company. Okay. So it ran out. Then we went with another production company for another 13 months. So we've been doing that back and forth. And then we finally landed a, a good deal like two years ago where I thought this was going to be the deal for me. But they sent the contract. It was like 50, page, no, 50 pages long. Yeah. And I literally sat there and read it. Okay. I was like, before um, I hire an, uh, a lawyer, I'm literally going to sit here and read this. I was in England. I read this whole thing, 50 pages, word for word, fine print. And they said, listen. And this fine print said, we have the rights to all your work for the rest of your life. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yes. The deal was amazing. So I was like, damn. So, like, my grandkids, when I'm gone, got to go through the unit to get money? Like, I was like, that's the dumbest, you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, they give you this upfront sum. Oh, my God. It was like 5%, like 3% off the gross. Like, if you move, like, listen, man, if your movie makes 500 million, you get 5% of that. I'm out of shit. <laughs> I'm signing right now. So yeah. like, Say no more, yeah, sir. I don't if you have a whole bunch of audio books, then <laughs> if you are a New York Times bestseller four or five times over and your books, you know, royalty, you know, Make, if you have, if you, if you, if you make money being an author, and make good royalty, you can have a good living. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. But if you keep selling books, uh, we get the rights to that. It's all your books. So that that was it. Then I said, you gotta be out your fucking mind. I had if, something. I almost got screwed like that the first oh. time I went in to make a deal. When when I published the first book, I go in and they offered me. The guy's like, well, I don't know. I'll I'll look around. So he, he comes in, he comes to this deal, and he says, well, we've got somebody, and they're offering thirty thousand dollars. As an advance. As an advance, yeah. So I talked to a friend of mine who's like the head of um, Warner Music now, and she goes, no. Oh, fuck, no. Fuck no. Yeah. She goes in, talks to him for a few minutes, comes out. The the advance had jumped from 30000 to 150000 Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how they get you. Yeah. They offered yeah. me 40K in my first one. Yeah. I was like, listen, man, come on. <laughs> I was like, I'm not really here for money. So, you know what I mean? You can figure this out. Literally two hours later, comes back 120. Yep. I'm like, you know what, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, but, but they basically paid me. Okay. They were smart. Wrote, like, the mm -hmm. book company was smart. They basically paid me not to play basketball anymore. They're like, listen, for a year, it's going to pay you to write. Mm -hmm. We want the best book you can, you can bring out. We want you to put all your emotions in it. Because, like, you know what I'm saying? If I was playing basketball and writing, maybe I might have, you know, did some bullshit and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but that was basically the deal. And I took it. It was a good deal. It now, was a good deal for me. The Fire Raven, anything with a movie with that at all? Or no? Well, the Fire Raven... Um, Obviously, you see the stuff I put out on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like, Always. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you put a trailer out for oh, it. Yeah. yeah, I put um, trail out. I'm doing stuff in London with it. So, you know, I got a couple of production companies also that I'm going through independently. See, that's the that's the deal. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I don't want I don't want a middleman with this one. There's a couple of the production companies that I'm gonna try to meet out here in August. Um, I couldn't do it now, but um, that's gonna work out. I think Fire Raven's great, man. You know, what I mean, that's like that's been like three or four years coming, and I decided to put it out. Uh, I have a lot of people involved in it too. Like, okay. you know, my girlfriend's involved in it. Like, just emotionally invested. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, a question I'm going to try to bring it back to basketball. Is it hard to write a book and play basketball, or does it actually help you? I thought it was hard. It, not, it, not, it, it actually harder, right? It makes oh. me sharper. How is that? Um, because I, I was very impatient. As a basketball player, okay. uh, if you would have met me like in my like my first three years, I'm I'm always going crazy on the court. You know what I mean? So the writing brings me down, reading brings me down also. You know what I mean? I'm always sharp, and it was like a super uh, superstitious thing because when I started writing, 
like when Qaddafi's point guard came on, I like won a championship. So I was like, you know, if I just keep writing, I'm gonna keep winning. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna just keep winning. <laughs> like I'm gonna just keep doing better. And this is like it was just like a routine I built up for like three or four years. And um, like I tell you, like I was like, you know, I'm gonna start writing when I'm retired. You know, that was the dumbest thing I could ever thought about. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to do that. I'd rather reinvent myself when I'm playing basketball mm-hmm. than wait till I'm what 36 and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd rather be a young author who's actually making some decent money doing it. You like keep a, saying money, and your girlfriend's eyes are lighting up. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's okay. She's good. A, a question I never asked you, your agent, because you said when you went to Libya to play for Gaddafi's team, you didn't know much about it. No. There's no way he's still your agent, is he? Gar- oh, Gar- no, he's not my All right, because that guy's the worst agent <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah. That guy is the worst. No, 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 no I'm just, I don't know if he's good. I'm he's just a good guy. Him. He's a good guy, but he. I was in the opportunity when I, you know, I was playing in Macedonia, and I was just in a bad situation. Racism-wise, too, right? Oh, You're doing a lot of shit. Racism. So it was like he was trying to just get me to get me out of that bad situation and just give me anything that can make me money. And also, agents, they'll put you in situations to make them money. <laughs> like, you know, agents fee, okay, good. Like, you know what I'm saying? But he, he's a good dude, though. He didn't know that was going to go on. But when I actually got to Egypt and I got to check my email and everything, he was the first email that was there. Like, he was actually looking for me. He had, like, 10 emails. Like, yo, I'm worried about you. Let me know, blah, blah, blah. So it was like, I, like he was actually concerned about me. Personal stupid question. Did you ever get contacted by anyone from Libya? Like, hey, you left the team or... Anything about that? Like any connections anymore with them? A um, couple of my teammates. Uh, this is a sad story because like, three of my teammates on that team passed. They went to fight okay. for revolution. And, you know, you got to find this out through Skype. And then another one of my teammates, you read the book Mustafa. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was your buddy? Yeah, that was my buddy. Like we built a bond. He just passed away two months ago. He died on the court, had a heart attack. Oh, my God. You think yeah. it's related to all this, all this stress and stuff? I don't know, man. But you know, he left the wife. He was living in New Orleans at the time. You that know, was your buddy. You talk so highly no, of him no, in the book. Yeah, no, he was just oh a great God. guy. He just died. He was playing in Dubai and passed away on the court. Had a heart attack two months ago, and this is like two months after my father passed away. And you know, my, my dad just passed away this January, so it was tough, man. You know, he left the wife, and you know, it's just it was just a sad situation because like it was like it's like a picture of the team. You can just X out all the faces that, that are gone. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? It's just a sad story. All right, let's bring it. Try bringing back someone good. Yeah, please. <laughs> what are you doing up in New York right now? Doing up in New York. Well, my my girlfriend lives in um, Bedminster, Jersey. Okay. And uh, a couple of friends in Hoboken. So, you know, I came to visit her mother. You know, her mother's a great cook. Oh, <laughs> smart, <laughs> smart. cook. Um, came to get some of that food, hang out. Um, you, know, I, you know, it's important for me to spend time with my significant other's parents. You know, you got to get to know them. She drove out to Boston. We, she came to see my mother. Uh, drove up here. She has a couple of friends across the river in Hoboken. Okay. And, you know, I love New York City. My sister used to live here, and uh, she worked for the Knicks. Had a great job. I don't know why she left. What Fate is him. it you like about the city? I was going to ask you. I got yeah. What is that like about the city? Because for me, when I came here, this it was like a I'd never seen anything like this. You know, yeah. I came from Arkansas. Yeah. Oh yeah. So this yeah. It, to me, it blew my mind, and I yeah. fell in love with it to the point that I wanted to get down and kiss the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah. I love this city. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's it's a great city. I just like the hustle and bustle, man. People are always like, always about getting it done. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? It's just in the entertainment. Like you could do like podcasts blowing up. Like you know what I mean? It's just, you know, I would never. If I were living in this area, I would never live in New York City. I'd probably live in Hoboken. Okay. Like, like, I can't live in the city. You know, because I live in London now, and it's just, London is like, would you say like twice as busier than this? London is just crazy yeah. busy. It's just fast-paced, man. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And you would love that, too, to be honest with yeah. you. But you won't love the weather. I like it here how it's like, like you said, it's like you have to stay on your game 24-7. Yeah, you if you slip at all, you've oh, got yeah. somebody younger, 
hungrier, oh, yeah. smarter, better looking, yeah. always waiting to step they get up. Younger. They get younger. They get younger. You know what I mean? Yeah. They get more charismatic. As they, you know what I yes. mean? It is what it is. You got to stay on your toes. Yes, you do. You got to stay on your toes. Yeah. Favorite New York hangout? My favorite New York hangout. There's this place my sister used to take me to called Harlem Tavern. That's right down the oh, street from where I live. Oh, yeah. She used to live yes. down the street from there. I yeah, used to yeah, live yeah. on that street yeah. on 116th. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now I'm on 123rd. Oh, yes. yeah. She yep. used to live right up there. Yes. You know, I yep. used to walk up there. We used to have a blast. Yep. We used to have a blast. That's crazy, right? We used to have a blast. I love that place. Worst style growing up. Like, growing up, I'll tell you my worst one. Did you ever, like, wear the one leg up, one leg down? My oh, worst God. one? I'll tell you mine. <laughs> no, I'll tell you my worst one. I used to have the starter jacket with all the, like, the... Remember the little pins on the string? That was yeah, the worst. Yeah, what was yeah. your worst style growing up? Man, we used to do the crisscross style with the pants backwards. <laughs> oh, you wore the backwards? Yeah, we wore the backwards pants. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we wore the backwards, backwards pants. Backwards jerseys yeah. too? I got, you know, yeah, we backwards everything. <laughs> and I had the, the braids like crisscross. Oh, we all had rat tails. <laughs> That's when we had just first moved to America. Like, you know what I mean? I got four other brothers. Like, you know what I mean? I'm one of the youngest. So I did whatever they did. We used to wear the backwards, the, oh, uh, the overalls backwards. You, picture, you need to get a picture of that. That's yeah, we got, yeah, we got pictures of that stuff, yeah. So I'm obsessed with traveling. I'm trying to go to, I want to go to every country in the world. I'm obsessed with it. You're from Nigeria. Yeah. When's the last time you've been back there? I haven't, been, I haven't been back to Nigeria probably like three or four years, to be honest with you. You miss it? I do miss it. And it's tough for me to go back because I'm playing during the season. Like my parents usually go, they used to go like twice a year. My mother's going back in um, December. Um, but you know, when I'm done playing, I will I will probably try to go once a year. I have a lot of family back there, like a lot of family, um, and then we're doing still like you know my parents rebuilt the church back there, rebuilt the hospital I was born in. Um, well, your lot, parents are very prominent there, aren't they? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, extremely yeah, prominent, yeah, extremely prominent. Um, but a lot of the proceeds from Gaddafi's point guard were like you know I would do like little book signings and you know sell the books. But a lot of those, a lot mostly all those proceeds. Are, are going to like a building a community center in the village I grew up in. Really? Yeah, nice. a lot of them. Yeah. I'm making my first trip to Af Africa this year. You gotta go. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm where are you go. going? One of my best friends is named Simba. He's actually from Zimbabwe, and we're supposed to go to uh, Cape Town, Zimbabwe, Zambia. Yeah. And I might go to Botswana. Okay. And then I want to go next year for like the World Cup qualifying matches. Ooh. I want to go to like Congo. I want to go like I want to go everywhere. I want. You to don't have fun. Yeah, I, I know. I'm really, really excited. He's, you go to Cape Town. You gonna have a ball. Yeah, we're gonna go to Cape Town for a few days. <laughs> Zambia, Zimbabwe, go to Victoria Falls. Ooh, yeah, we're yeah, going to Botswana. We're supposed to be like two weeks there. And I think it was, I think he wanted to go in October, November of this year. Okay. So I'm really, really excited. That's, That's like going to be amazing. My Africa trip. And when I go to Nigeria, I'll hook you up. You're going to hook me up? I'll hook you up with some <laughs> I'll get you the military. <laughs> no, no, no. You go what? I'll, meet you. I'll get the military and meet you at the uh, Oh, okay. I thought you said you can put me in the military. I'm like, wait no, a minute, guy. I don't my know. Parents, my parents always go visit. They always have military escorts. Oh, really? Yeah. My, my parents, like, they put a lot of work in there. Now, my mother was born in America, but, like, you can tell that she's not Nigerian. <laughs> like, she lived there for 20 years of her life. Like, she's, like... Do you miss the African food? I love it. I miss it. And, I, you know, I, I only could get it when I come home. Like, my mother cooks it. Mm -hmm. like I, you know, I eat it every day, the same thing. And she's like, you got to stop eating that. <laughs> you know, but I love it, man. Um, I'll go back a lot more when I'm retired. <clears throat> like, a lot more. A few more questions and we'll wrap it up. Dude, you get 40 minutes, man. I'm so excited. I was like, really excited to meet you. Our online Tinder date. Um, <laughs> I asked you last time, and I asked every person on my show. You and I are at a bar. We're hanging out. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you text them, they would text you right back? Oh, the coolest person in my phone. That if you text them within 10 minutes, they're right back to you. That's a tough one. I never really thought of that. Who do I have on my phone that's pretty cool? That would impress people. Because people are like, oh, my girlfriend, my son, no one cares. <laughs> well, no, no, besides you, no, you, he said you earlier. <laughs> you, missed, you were in the bathroom. I'll say Static Selector. 
I don't know who that is. The DJ? Mm-hmm. You know Static Select? No, you Damien? No. He's a DJ. He's the one that uh, he works at uh, Sirius XM. He's, uh, you know Joey Badass? Yeah, of course. He's his tour DJ. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's that's pretty from cool. Boston. Cool. Yeah, he's from Boston. So he's probably the coolest guy. That's actually pretty good. Cool. Okay. Other than that, I'd say maybe Earl Moreau. <laughs> you know what I mean? Other than that. Two minutes, he text you back? Yeah. yeah Earl will text me back. Earl's my good guy. Earl, I don't even count Earl's that. It'll probably be his wife texting because his wife is like, she's a bull. Yeah, really? Oh, I'm, listen, we'll talk later. You got to get him on. I would love yeah, to have him on. He lives, in, he lives up in. Yeah, he lives up yeah. Nice little brownstone. <laughs> I will do the show from yeah. and Maybe he'll cook for us. Um, <laughs> favorite soccer club? Favorite soccer club? I'm a Chelsea fan. Diehard? Yeah, I'm not a diehard fan, but you know, when you go to England, you got to pick one. And you, want, and you pick the team that won the championships. So yeah, 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 it's kind of convenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They got the most money. <laughs> any memorabilia you kept on the. Like from anything? Any memorabilia that you kept? Are you a memorabilia guy? You should mean like just from like from you playing, or if you ever played against somebody, ask for something, or you, or even if you got a I got a pair of shorts that I have to, I, yeah. yeah, I got a pair of shorts that Kevin Durant gave me. I got to replay them. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get your shorts. Really? Yeah, he yeah. actually gave them to me after the game. Yeah, like after the game, like His it was first? like, yeah, like yeah, here you go. Like you, he didn't sign with nothing. He just gave them to me. That's actually um, great. That's a great piece of yeah. And His first game. Yeah, his first game. Like you know, we'll sell that yeah, together. You know, they, you know, they, they, the Texas budget's crazy. It's probably. Like, it's not like UK's budget right now. <laughs> well, well they, they signed the Texas. They have like a, their own station down there, so they're making bank up there. They don't care. They just Ridiculous. got the kid. They, they kid Bamba, the number one, like one of the best high school players Bamba in the country. Fall? No, Mo Bamba, the Mo number. Bamba. Um, he's a center. He's the like, center guy. Yeah, 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 they, I saw, yeah. He just went to t- Texas. Did he, did he sign there? Yeah, he's not going to Kentucky, so he's dead to me. So. <laughs> oh, oh, he didn't sign. <clears throat> wow. How much more time you got left playing basketball? Um, I, I always said this next year will be my last year. Oh, really? Yeah, that'd be 11 years for me. And you just did everything you wanted to do, lived some life. I did everything I wanted to do. I almost lost my life playing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, I did, I did everything. I did everything. You know, I was one of those, like, I'm not going to say I was angry. Like, my first couple of years, I was like, yo, you know what I mean? You watching the NBA, and like, yo, listen, I'm better than a lot of these guys. But as I got older, I was like, listen, I got to take advantage of these experiences, these countries I'm living in. I got to tell my kids and my grandkids about this stuff one day. You know what I mean? I'll just take advantage of the opportunity. I love when I talk to players who played internationally, and they always say, like, I don't know if you know Ramel Bradley. I know Ramel, yeah. Oh, Ramel's, Ramel, yeah, you're a UK fan. Ramel's my age, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ramel's supposed to come here today. He yeah. knew who you were. Oh, and yeah. And he was pissed. I'm like, oh, he's like, shit, he, he made plans because we told Damn. him. Yeah, he was going to come. Good. He's from Queens? Or Bro- like Brooklyn. Brooklyn, yeah. Oh, every five minutes. I'll let you know he's from Brooklyn. Yeah. Every five minutes. <laughs> I love his game. But oh, he's can, great. Yeah. But and we talked. I'm going to ask you the same question. And if, unless Damien has anything else, we'll end with this. He's like, you were a poor kid in East New York, Brooklyn, and you ended up playing in Turkey, China, all these countries. Yeah. Israel, he played in Israel for four years. Yeah. He has a beautiful Israeli girlfriend. Like, he did it. Like, do you ever sit back and like, Nigeria, Boston, Alcorn State, to now, look, yeah, at, like, look at me, look where I played all over the world. Yeah, I think about that sometimes when I'm just laying in bed, I'm like, damn, I like, had a crazy journey. Like, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people just like, a lot of people go overseas and they stay one place for like three years, bounce around different countries, but I like, my story is like, too unique, like you know what I'm saying. I don't really. Sometimes I have to remind myself that I'm like, yo, listen, I came a long way. Like I came a really long way. You know what I'm saying? I was a football player. You got a football scholarship, Joe Chen, right? Like I was literally top ten class 2003. Like Reggie Bush, I was ranked higher than Alex Smith. Like I was like the guy. Okay. Like you understand what I'm saying? And then people telling me, oh, like I was also a good basketball player in high school. But he's like, listen, man, you got to make your money playing football. I kind of took that personal. I was like, hold on. Like, <laughs> I'm putting the same amount of time. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So I, I kind of took that personal. But now nah, I'm going to do this basketball thing and I'm going to show everybody. And then it just it brought me here today, Jack Dempsey. 
they're going to love that plug. Yeah. Now, just plug how you can get the books. I'm actually going to buy the books now, so I want to hear. Tell okay, everybody how to get the books and everything. Um, you go on Amazon, um, type in my name, Alex Awumi. You get Gaddafi's Point Guard. You get uh, the Fire Raven. They will all link up. Uh, go on my social media. Twitter is Alex Awumi. Instagram is at Alex Awumi. O-W-U-M-I. O-W-A-L-E-X-O-W-U-M-I. It's all the same name. Facebook also. Facebook, I really interact with people on Facebook. Uh, you know, I probably spend most of my day just on Facebook comments, people from Nigeria. Like this one guy just hit me up from uh, Denmark. He's like, yeah, I just read your TED Talk. I just I'm watching TED Talk, but you're an amazing guy. He's like 50-year-old guy. He's like, when do you come to Denmark? I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> they got a contract over there. When they book me. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to speak. Like, you know what I mean? Well, but I also have a, you know, I speak a lot. Like a lot of speaking engagements. I'm going back to London um, the 18th of this month. Mm -hmm. I have something on the 20th there. Who do you speak to most? Like athletic stuff um, or kids or people who are writing? More, more athletics. I do more like cultural stuff, world stuff. Like this thing I'm doing in London. Um, it's actually good, this small town called Gloucester. Uh, close to where I used to play. That's called, um, it's for refugees. Like literally people that they just let in the country. Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, like a lot of, um, I don't know if it's like the Syrian refugees. So I'm speaking to a lot of them probably like 250 plus people they're gonna be there free to the public mm -hmm. so i do i'm like i'm kind of gravitating to a lot of things right now i love speaking too and that's therapeutic to be honest mm -hmm. with you like when you're in front of a lot of people i did it for a year straight yeah. oh, i man. lived on the road for yeah, a year live on the road. that, that is that is amazing speaking. and they pay you well I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they pay you well but it's really not about the money like you know what i mean sometimes not always about the money i'm being real with you um just I'm gonna like, be real. For me, it's about the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, but you do get you do get satisfaction when you people do. come up to you, you and do. say, "Listen, you inspired me. You changed my life. I can't believe you what do. you've been through. Just you standing up up here for an hour talking, it just kind of inspired me. Like, I get a lot of that too. Well, it has to be rewarding. And this is for both of you guys. I know I didn't ask you any questions, Damien, but you were saying like. You're a black guy from Nigeria, played in Boston, played overseas, and you got a 50 year old white dude from Denmark, Denmark. telling you like that means something to me. And same thing with you. You're getting like every type of human race it's like your story brings people together yeah, exactly. it's weird like and yours yeah. too from listen regardless of if you're falsely arrested or whatever your story brings people together your story of travel it's crazy that your it's stories crazy. if you see the interactions on twitter it's not just all black dudes or all southern white guys it's all like trauma everything is trauma. trauma yeah it's, it's, trauma, it's phenomenal man. and there are a lot of listen there are a lot of traumatic people in this world yes, i didn't really know that. yeah i didn't really know that until i started like going to speak or like doing like ted talks and stuff like that and then that. people come up to you and start yeah. telling you what they've been through and you're people like, are damaged God. man yes like yes, this world are. is cruel man like you understand what i'm saying yes. but you know it is, it is it is what it is man like you know, i take pride in helping people you know i just always been like that my parents raised me to be like that you know <clears throat> Well, I just want to tell you right now, Damien, first of all, thank you for coming on. I hope you of enjoyed course. it. Did you? I did, yeah. yeah. And dude, absolute pleasure having you on. Like, I've been looking forward to, t I texted you a year ago, okay? If you ever yeah. come to New York. Please, yeah. And dude, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank I you, I had a bro. blast, brother. Yeah, I had a blast too, man. I was with Thank you, guys. I, did, I didn't know anything about you, oh, your story, anything, and then... I, you know, Mike saying, you know, I've got this guy coming in today. He's a basketball player. I'm like, I don't want to hear no basketball story. All right, fuck it. I'm going to go in anyway. Yeah. Then when I walk out, <laughs> he starts telling me your story, and I was like, oh my God, that's yeah. that's. Um, even people who have like no interest in sports whatsoever yeah. will get something out of your story. Because it's bigger than sports, man. Yes. It's bigger than sports. Um, it's bigger. It's bigger than Gaddafi's point guard. To be honest with you, um, it's about the people, man. You know what I mean? Like I said, I want to help people. You also want to help people, and you know I'm gonna look into your story a lot more just to get help, some help for myself. Because I could have imagined, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know. One last question, if you don't mind. Oh, How many more books do you think you have in you? Like you already said, you want to do the. Oh no, I'm doing. I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. Like 
for life for life yeah it's like, like it scratches an itch yeah it's nothing like itch. else gets this to. is what i'm doing for life like no ifs ands or buts about it nice. right walk around with my pad my pad my laptop my ipad this is what i want to do for life and you know that and speaking i'm always going to do that yeah you know what i mean um so yeah that's it man what about you well, I'm thinking, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least a couple more, I'm thinking. Yeah, I think I want to move, get away from the prison stuff, because I already did two of those and move more into, like you're saying, the self-help stuff. Yeah, you know, self- stuff that helped me survive yeah. and that I think, you know, other people could use that are going through yeah. horrible shit. Yeah, the self-help yeah. stuff is what I'm trying to do. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Listen, if y'all listening, man, I'm doing, I started a YouTube page and I'm doing a lot of stuff on YouTube also. I got some big things coming up um, as far as... What's the YouTube as, channel name? It's just, it's just Alex Awumi. It's yeah. my YouTube channel. I'm doing a lot of like motivational stuff, um, a lot of the Fire Raven stuff for the fiction, and I'm trying to put together like a cartoon series for young adults, like as far as like bullying and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, because I was bullied in like middle school. It didn't really work out for the bully though. Like, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But like, you know, I was the guy in high, middle school, high school that would go beat up the bullies. Like, you know what I mean? I, I'm the one of the one of uh, I got older brothers like you know around the neighborhood it was like yo don't fuck with the woomies like that was like that was a slogan mm-hmm. so like you know I, mean, I was the guy like because I hung out with nerds in high school I was like the cool athlete that was like yo let's go to the library mm-hmm. I'm not sitting at the athlete table at lunch mm-hmm. I'm going to hang out with these guys with Point Dexter and you know all the guys <laughs> that you label dweebs and if you fucked with them I was gonna fuck you up like you know that was what it was you know I went to a real rough high school too but like you know I'm from that neighborhood that was the type of guy I was so like I want to do a lot of stuff with that also, like young adults, because this, this bullying shit is bad. Like, you know, I got niece and nephews that are being bullied. And people are truly killing themselves. Yeah. They, they really are. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And the worst, they put on like Facebook Live and shit. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to do that, hopefully, and inspire people. But this YouTube thing, I'm about to go hard at it. Like, real hard. Like, real hard. Dude, I'm glad you asked that question, because I was like, you got real for like the last two minutes. That was cool shit, like about all the stuff you're into. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. I mean, yeah, I'm into like a lot of shit. I got to stay busy. Like, I got to stay busy. And that's a, that's a, you know, I, mm-hmm. my mother always said the idle mind is the devil's playground. Like that's it. You gotta you gotta keep moving around. You gotta keep doing stuff. For me, it's stay busy. Stay and busy. Stay on a schedule. Stay busy and stay on a schedule. Yep. Yeah. Try to get some money while yeah. Because <laughs> we got bills. Damien Alex, thank you guys so much, man. Appreciate you, Mike. <laughs> With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.